What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by FMF, Fast House, and of course, We Big Megacorp. Uh, thank them so much for sending me a, uh, uh, a gift box. And actually, I might have to talk to my good friend Todd Covey over at We Big to maybe uh, send over a gift box to a good friend of mine who's on the line right now goes by the name of Dave Drakes. Dave, how's it going? Good, Brad. Yeah, another late night, just uh, <laughs> ready to talk some moto, get into some stats and uh, ventures for a little bit. Yes, and I apologize to the loyal listeners that have been bugging me. I get probably three texts, two emails, and uh, about like between 10 and 15 direct messages every day after Monday uh, that I don't have a, a, a review pot out, but uh, I'll have everyone know this is completely on Dave. I had watched the race. I watched it live, <laughs> and as of like 9 p.m. on Tuesday, he hadn't yet watched it. Uh, so um, this is completely on you, Dave, but uh, but yeah, I think we need to talk to, like, I don't know if, are you a wee big kind of guy? Like, I don't know if you can, uh, you're kind of a PG sort of individual could you walk around in a in a hat that says no fucks given <laughs> i i totally could i don't know if i had to look the big oh. man and it, 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 it is my fault for not getting in the pot a little earlier um it was it was a super busy earlier week for me and then my bike stopped running on saturday my old dinosaur so oh. i was busy monday and tuesday yeah, night true. ripping that thing apart and yeah, it's just a whole thing. But we're on the pod now, and uh, we're we're getting into it. Here we are, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna shake down uh, Unadilla, both the two fifties and the four fifties. Of course, this is a mud race, so um, unfortunately for a couple of the riders, you can't take too much stock in any of the uh, results. But we'll talk about some of the events and some of the uh, uh, the happenings of the broadcast and the the races that were. But uh, um, but yeah, I think um, the the predator look. Uh, out, out the back of a, uh, a, a camel smoker cross um, hat, or maybe like you know what I would really like to do is get you one of those yellow bibs. 
because nothing would make me happier than to cover up that FXR gear of yours with a beautiful <laughs> wee big yellow bib. Uh, of course, this is a this is a fast house podcast. We understand that uh, uh, FXR and their all of their awesomeness are a uh, a supporter of. The collective experience is, of course, your business that gets people closer than ever to the uh, to the motocross races or supercross races, whatever it happens to be. Uh, but uh, absolutely, a nice yellow and black bib would look beautiful on top of that FXR gear. You know, if if that bib said FXR gear, then why not? But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be the the lone man representing for FXR and Andy and the boys uh, the boys up there, man. I'm, right, I'm still I'm still geeking over all their all their stuff and they they treat us good but uh, yeah you know my, I think the FXR stuff will look a lot better uh, when I when I pull away from you at AJ's class when you're uh, in your fast house stuff. Ooh, fair enough. Hey, I, that's why I <laughs> post still images, man. That's why I'm all about those still <laughs> images. No one knows how fast you're going when it's uh, when it's a still image. Um, and yeah, we're we're gonna the same we've released a podcast with AJ. Uh, I think I'm gonna try and get out to. Uh, that um, the the clinic on the Monday after is it the seventeenth? Yep, seventeenth. I think September. Yep. I'm yep. gonna try and make it out to that. No promises, of course, because I've flaked on you before. Uh, but um, it. Uh, <laughs> but that's the way it goes. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I think we need to maybe uh, to call up my buddy uh, Todd and see if he can't uh, sauce you. If maybe not a bib, but uh, but everything else. Uh, we big ink. Um, but let, let's crack this thing open. Let's get into the Massey Ferguson 2018, uh, wherever the hell Massey Ferguson is. I probably should look that up. I, like that 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 looks like like someone at Unadilla or someone at MX Sports, like knows someone there because I don't even know what they do. I'm gonna Google it. Uh, but let's I get into. I the... it was a, like a tribute race or something to, to some prolific person or something. No, because it had a logo. Like what the heck is Massey Ferguson? Oh, really? Yeah, it had like it was that like three triangle thing. I don't know what it was, and like uh, sometimes, like obviously, I know what Red Bull is. It's an agriculture company. Oh, okay. Ma- Massey Ferguson huh. Limited is an is an American owned uh, major manufacturer of ag- agriculture equipment based in uh, in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. Okay, I don't know why they're wow. they're they're lo- they're they're lo- they're they're based from the same town that Wayne Gretzky is come is from. And uh, they actually started um, March 4th of, 2000, of 1988, which is, interestingly enough, the very same year that, uh, that Wayne Gretzky was traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the LA Kings, thus popularizing uh, hockey in the, uh, in the Southwest. So uh, th- this all has a very hockey tie-in with Matthew Ferguson. I don't know if you knew too much about that, but I certainly did. I had no idea. See, that's why I tune into Big MX, man. I learn something new every single time. For sure, and I'm I'm sure there's more than a few <laughs> listeners that are like, "Why does that kid know so much about hockey? I thought he just knew about dirt bikes." But uh, <laughs> it's a given, man. You're from Canada. You're supposed to know a ton about hockey. Absolutely, it comes it, like there's there's like a, a handbook that when you get born. Like when you're born, you're uh, there's like a hockey handbook that you basically have to memorize all these facts and 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 theories and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. It, it's there's there's a test. It's like you guys have the SATs, we have the random hockey knowledge test, and uh, it's actually not in, implemented by schools, 
but uh, you're tested pretty much any time that you go to beer league hockey, which is about once a week for an adult male in Canada. Um, but let's actually talk dirt bikes and, and uh, not so much about Massey Ferguson. They just got a huge plug, probably a longer plug than, than the, the collective experience gets on a regular basis on this podcast. Um, so maybe we need to look <laughs> into that a little bit more. Uh, everyone go buy Fast House gear uh, and FMF. Um, but let's jump into the 450s. Let's talk about the important guys right off the hop. Uh, and the top two guys, they, they trade off points at the top of the, the heap, and uh, they end up, they continue to be 15 points different going into the last two rounds. Um, but I want to talk about the first moto. Eli Tomac goes in for goggles, gets a set of freshies, and he's gone. He's absolutely on rails, in the mud, in the rain, um, and I was really impressed. Yeah, Tomac was uh, was really, really, really good. Typically, we see him at these uh, more technical, tougher, rutted races, kind of taking his time the first moto, um, kind of like what we saw at um, the Pennsylvania round, where he, where you know, he saw Marvin have much better lines and was more crafty, per crafty Frenchman nickname, uh, just picking out lines and just being a little bit more smooth and navigated the technical stuff better. Uh, but Eli came all out, man. I think he learned from past races and hey. and uh, made it happen really, really early. So um, it definitely, definitely a good race. I think um, it, it really shows just how fast these guys are. Um, you know, they they say that mud's the great equalizer, and you'll you'll see a bunch of guys from the back of the pack move move forward, um, and you know that may be the case in most 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 of the time. But uh, I think Eli and Marvin and and some of the top five guys are just on that high of a level, where even mud can't really mix them up too much. So um, definitely, definitely um, shows you just how how talented they are. And it was really surprising to see so many guys get goggle changes. I was. It was almost more than I think. There's a couple last year, but it seems like every guy in the top ten pulled in and got new goggles, man. And and these were various different goggle manufacturers too. So, man, that mud must have been something serious. It must have been absolutely. And I was I was impressed. Like anytime, I love to watch a mud race. I don't like being in them per se. Uh, I I don't absolutely love being a part of a mud race, mainly because my bike and gear always look so good and I hate getting muddy, especially because of white boots. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, like, the way these guys, like, literally turn laps that I wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell of turning on a perfectly dry track, they do it in the mud. They make it look like it's not muddy out there. And, of course, there's some, there's, there's some com- comical moments where they do go down or the, the, the track gets the better of them. For the most part, like, they're still able to, like, get up and, and move through the pack. Like, Justin Barsha, third and – like, the, the only reason why he was fourth overall is because he got third in the second moto. And I'm not too sure if, if you guys remember, but uh, in the first lap, he was on the ground, pointed in the other direction. So for 35 minutes – um, that guy spent his time slashing through the field and ending up uh, uh, fourth overall. So I was pretty impressed by that. Um, yeah, I think everyone was. Yeah. Everyone was was on their feet cheering for that guy. You know, being at his it's his hometown race, and like like you said, there's some sections that they were still they were still doing the you know the the sky jump and still doing some of the rollers and you know you and i would probably kind of double double think that stuff on a perfectly groomed dry day so yeah it, it like, really I can't shows see you how talented these guys shot. are like yeah exactly that that thing is humongous and they were doing it with super super deep ruts you know just tons of water pouring down the face of it super rutted muddy landing it was it was insane man those these guys are are world class and and 
if you can ride one twelfth that good, then you're doing something right. For sure. And if you can ride one twelfth that well, you can probably bet that you've been to an AJ Catanzaro Motocross Academy. That was an unbelievable plug. Thank you very much. <laughs> we bet it nicely. Yeah, and you probably met AJ through the collective experience. But uh, one guy that obviously stands out, and I think I mentioned this to you before we, we hit record on this thing, is that most, and like, uh, obviously Mud is the ultimate equalizer, but the, for the most part, we saw the same thing we've seen. Like, you could take these results and put, and like, and cover the, the top of the, uh, of the results um, with tape or whatever, and, and have somebody, like, where do you think this was? And uh, other than Phil Nicoletti in third place, everything else is basically where you'd expect it to be. Um, Justin Barsha, I, I think he's fourth in points, uh, or maybe he's third in points. He's fourth overall. Blake Baggett's been fifth all season long. Ble- uh, it's not a surprise to see Benny Bloss uh, in uh, in sixth place, and uh, I think maybe the only outlier is really Ken. I think uh, maybe just had an off day in general, but um, like Cooper Webb's been basically eighth, ninth since he got back, and obviously he had a much better motor than the second one, which uh, which helped his overall finish. Um, but uh, like w- with exception of um, Phil Nicoletti and uh, Tokishi Tomita. I, I like. Uh, I was like, this is the, the, like the these guys finish exactly how they normally do. Like it's uh, it was pretty impressive to see that uh, uh, when it comes to adverse conditions, the best are still the best. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, man. Yeah, it, it's it looks like a like a a blanket or a mirror image. Of, uh, of what you'd see any other race weekend. If, if you took Nicoletti's These could have been the Colorado re- results. Easy. Yeah, exactly. These, these, could, these could have been a regular dry round. If you took Phil Nicoletti and Roxton and switched those two guys, yeah. you would have never known this was a, this was a mud race. Um, and Again, it, it just goes to show you how dialed in and how good these riders are. You know, um, if, if you were looking at this race maybe a couple years ago, where we didn't have, you know, such highly tuned athletes, maybe something like the early 2000s, late 90s. I think a mud race like this definitely would have turned out weird. You might have seen a Tomita in the top three or, or Cooper or a Cunningham or something like that. But just the way the sport's elevated, just that next level, I, I think it takes almost, you know, a, a damn, near a damn disaster to actually, you know, shake up the top three or top four, you know, um, than, than what we've seen. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, it's still baffling that even in a mud race, torrential downpour, super adverse conditions that these guys still find a way to, to find their normal positions and still jockey for races. Like it was dry. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. For sure. And, and uh, I, I completely echo your sentiments. Um, obviously like, uh, the racing, uh, isn't always the best for these uh, mud races. You don't have a lot of knockdown, drag out wars and battles and guys passing each other back. And, and we didn't. We didn't really have that. Uh, we had Eli uh, kind of having the strategy as when to come in for goggles. I think everybody did. And then he had basically uh, did he make the pass prior to Marv going in, or, or Marv went in? I think he did. Like he made the pass, and then Marv goes in, and then from there, Marv's so far back that it's uh, it, it was kind of an insurmountable thing. Um, but uh, like. The like the other like it's when it comes to those races, then you get to pay attention to like the the extra um, 
events or like the, the special particular like the one-off things for a particular event whether it be Caleb Russell showing up and going 630 for 13th overall and at one point was running third I believe or maybe as high as fourth in the first moto unfortunately uh, had a mishap in the second moto and wasn't able to finish uh, which I, I was surprised how many guys even showed up for the second moto I think that's all there was was 30 guys which uh, doesn't look great but uh, um like yeah, like and like Stank Dog getting in the points on the two stroke, that was exciting. Your buddy uh, Brandon Shear gets a point. He goes thirty two, thir- uh, twenty, which is uh, unfortunately he's kind of had a, a bad string of races. Uh, uh, after I guess it was like uh, shortly after Muddy Creek, like he was well inside the top fifteen for a bit, and then now is uh, um, he's just had like a, a few off weeks. So kind of a get right moto for him. But uh, yeah, like I, I was. Uh, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, you know, some riders, once you kind of look at that, you know, ninth or eighth spot back, they kind of took advantage of it. So, like you said, going back to Caleb Russell, I mean, that guy is extremely talented and actually trains uh, at, at Baker's Factory. And uh, it, the, that guy, if you put him on a moto track, looks just as fast as any other pro out there, which, you know, I don't know if this is, this is true for all off-road guys, but something that I really I didn't expect. I kind of expected you know him to show up and be maybe like a top twenty guy. Maybe I definitely didn't didn't expect to see him you know running you know a sixth in the first moto and then third and second moto before that mishap. So uh, definitely definitely a, a cool surprise to see that. And usually Unadilla is one of those races where you, we do tend to see some weird one off um, you know stuff kind of happen where we might get a rider um, come in that that usually isn't in there. You know my mind goes back to when Stewart. Um, came back and tried uh, Unadilla uh, for his first race back for outdoors and had a disaster with the Supercross extension set up. But, I mean, this, this is something, this is a race where you really see that those mix-ups kind of happen. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going down the list, you know, um, that huge hole shot by Dylan Merriam in the first moto yeah. was absolutely awesome. That was really, really cool to see. Um, you know, he, he made that TPJ bike work for him and almost led for damn near a whole, uh, a whole lap. I can guarantee you that guy's arms were like steel rods after just from probably oh, yeah. freaking out, having moose and, and Tomac revving up behind you. And you're just trying to hold on and, and, you know, getting fans, you know, cheering you on and stuff. So I, that must've been a super cool feeling for him. And, and then again, going back down and seeing Stanky, um, you know, get it in for some decent points with that 16th and the second moto, um, you know, you know, he's probably super stuck in that on a, on a two stroke. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think some guys definitely took advantage of it. Um, it's it's one of again one of those races where something something weird always happens. Just one weird outlier or, or some one weird one off thing kind of kind of goes down. But you know, to be completely honest, I I like Unadilla. I'm a big fan of that track. It, it's somewhat kind of close to home for me. Um, but I I really miss seeing that place in its prime without the mud. You know, it's nice to get a mud race every once in a while. But that track is just so scenic and it's just so unique, such a, yeah. such a unique um, part of our series that I'm, I kind of want to see what would happen if, if Marvin, you know, had a clear track, a good track, um, got a good start, and w- would he be able to hang with with uh, with Tomac at, a, at this quote unquote European style track? And you know, how would Caleb Russell do on a completely dry track? You know, would this be Barsha's time to shine? And could Nicoletti keep that podium going if it was a dry track? So. All these questions kind of come into play and make me, you know, make me kind of wonder. So uh, we'll see if 2019 is a little bit drier and we can get back to some uh, to some old school good unit racing. For sure, and getting back to those days when 
James Stewart uh, landed on on Ricky Carmichael. We always we always remember that is <laughs> near and dear to yeah. our hearts for sure. Uh, and and we've had an, uh, a a ton of great uh, uh, actually uh, one of the one one Unadilla that that sticks out to me is uh, it was I think it was two thousand and three yeah Suzuki three uh, Ernesto Fonseca and uh, Sebastian Tortelli crash on the first lap together or the last lap together and uh, and they were battling for third overall or third in the moto. And um, and Ernesto Fonseca gets back up and finishes uh, third. And I the thing I remember that most is that was the last time he raced uh, a full season. I think uh, outdoors uh, on a on a, a factory Honda because I think the ne- the very next year uh, he uh, he got injured. So um, that was kind of cool to see him. He was get his uh, his his first and only uh, outdoor podium uh, at Unadilla. Wow, thank you. That, that's going back some time. You haven't heard uh, um, his name in a, in, a, in a little while, but yeah, you know, well, if you I listen think to my podcast, a lot, of, it a lot like of three months ago. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Oh man, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I probably probably flipped on that one, but um, yeah, you know, Ginadilla holds a lot of cool memories for a lot of a lot of people. The race fans around there are, are just absolute diehards. So um, you know, just going back to what I said, you know, just it. it it's really, really cool to, to have a venue like that. And when it gets rained out, it's a bit of a bummer. Still had some good action. Still glad the race was on. But, uh, yeah, I definitely love to see that place just dried out and, and primed up for some, for some good action. Because like I said before, you know, mud races are cool and all, but the, the action is pretty subdued. The, the speeds are a lot lower. There's not as much, uh, not as much excitement. Um, but, you know, hey, that's a part of outdoors, and that's why, uh, that's why, we, that's why we have 40 of the best guys out there because they can ride through anything. So, um, yeah, I can tell you for sure. If I was out there, I would have packed it up after practice and uh, called it a day. Yes, both of us would uh, <laughs> would, would probably spare our clutches and walk, and walk over to the fences to watch Jacob Runkles get his first points as a professional, uh, and he'll remember them fondly because even though he got his first points as a professional, I believe it was the first time him getting points, 17th. In the second moto, he still got beat by a two-stroke. So if if that's not bittersweet, oh. I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's got to hurt the pride a little bit. Seeing somebody with half your horsepower just uh, finishing oh right in front of them. So yeah, um, there yeah, I am. That's 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 got to got to hurt the pride a little bit. Right on. And I just sent you the link to my uh, episode with uh, Ernesto Fonseca. I was wrong. It wasn't it wasn't that long ago. It was. Uh, March 7th, 2018, uh, I had him on the podcast, about an hours-long conversation, uh, kind of going through uh, his career, his injury, amateur stuff, you name it. So great podcast I did with Ernesto. Thanks you so much for staying on top of that. Um, but uh, good moto from Ben LeMay, second moto, 12th overall, got to like that. And uh, the first kind of real signs of life that we've seen from Cooper Webb, He's doing really well in the first moto. Ends up getting uh, some like some rocks in his eyes or mud in his eyes, and he ends up having to basically DNF. But he had lapped up to 16th at that time. He ends up 16th over uh, 16th in the first moto, but a fourth in the uh, in the third moto, uh, or yeah, in the, in the third moto, second moto. Uh, that's a, a a big step forward for a guy who um, I think we're we're about to see his last four motos on a Yamaha. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um... 
we, we talked about him a couple, a couple of weeks ago and just trying to figure out like, how, you know, what, what his, what his hangup was, why he couldn't get, you know, into the top five and why he would, you know, start up kind of close, but then kind of fall back a little bit and settle into that, you know, ninth place, eighth place sort of, um, sort of position. So to see him get a fourth is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I think, if he didn't have, um, you know, the, the, the issue he had in the first moto where he, where he DNF, then I think he probably would have um, been, you know, Nicoletti on the, um, in that, in that third spot. He looked super solid, both motos. Um, he had really, really good line selection. I don't think he got high, um, hung up as much. So a lot, a lot of guys, even, you know, even, um, who was it? Nicoletti, I think Tomac for a couple, a couple laps would really get hung up with some of the corners and have to kind of, you know, dab both feet and almost come to like an exact standstill. Um, but I didn't really see that too much from Webb. He looked like he was just calm, cool, collected, kind of let the race come to him a little bit. Didn't really, um, didn't really sweat it too much. And then, um, you know, had the, had the, the, the little mishap. So to, to pull it together, to still get a top 10 is really good. And uh, that fourth, hopefully, you know, it's a step in a, in a better direction for him and, and like I can always say, off the confidence because that's so huge with this sport, especially with these guys. You know, they're pros. You know, a lot of them are pretty big head cases. So, um, you know, leading into Bud's Creek, which is a, a track that he's he's won at before, he goes really really good at. This might be um, might be like the the wake up call that he needed. That hey, you know, I can run in the top four even in the, on the worst days. And the reason why I can't do it, you know, when it's dry out uh, and and start taking. Some uh, some good finishes away from like a Baggett or a Barsha, so yeah, definitely definitely good to see that. Uh, a little bit of controversy with him too, with uh, Barsha getting by him and giving him the old "How you doing?" So oh yeah, you, you're thing. number one, buddy. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, communicating via sign language uh, during the <laughs> moto. Very interesting. I didn't know either one of them was uh, fluent in uh, in uh, is it ALS American Sign. ASL, yeah, American exactly. ASL, American Sign Language, uh, very fluent uh, as as far as uh, I can tell. Uh, the understanding was very clear and uh, um, a good presentation from Justin Barsha. I think that's a good segue. Before we let uh, go of the four fifties, we have two topics to bring up, and they're both of the uh, Diz Nations variety. Of course, um, the Canadian team. For those who don't know. Will be, uh, I believe. I, I, I don't don't say this wrong because I have Canadian listeners will fucking kill me. Um, Co- uh, Colton Fasciati, uh, Kevin Benoit, who raced it last year, I believe, and uh, Jess Pettis will be the uh, ambassadors for the uh, the team Canada. Of course, every I'm sure everyone's just absolutely riveted about that. Um, but uh, Team USA, and I, th- I guess I'll, I'll let the American weigh in on it and kind of give me your thoughts uh announce the team um it's it's eli tomac who like all the fans have been begging for this for years uh to have him come back to that race and and represent the country which he's done before and done well uh justin barsha who with this uh basically uh being awarded this uh spot on the team i feel uh has basically solidified himself as the comeback rider for 2018 because let's not forget that what eight months ago he straight up didn't have a ride there's like he was riding a borrowed honda for monster cup and like the graphics broke the internet even though i didn't think it looked very good um 
like this it was insane the 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 reception that he had uh for the um for being named to the uh team USA I'd love to get your thoughts and of course on the uh, on the 250 the baddest man on a 250 right now in the world I do believe because I think he'll be able to handle uh both those KTM boys from overseas is uh Aaron Plessinger so uh give me your thoughts on the on the team that's got picked uh, I, I think it's a great team. Um, I think, obviously, it goes without saying, Tomac is um, absolute bulldog this year. He's on fire. Um, he's looking absolutely phenomenal. A lot of people are already saying that he's going to, you know, win every moto he enters. He's going to run away with this thing. Not only is he riding um, just unbelievable this year, he's on a track that he's extremely familiar with. They rode it just a few weeks ago. Um, he absolutely killed it. And, uh, you know, everyone, everyone says he's on home turf, home court advantage. There's no reason why he can't win every single race. Um, I'd, be, I'd be really, uh, really hard-pressed to disagree with that. I think he's going amazing. Um, I also think Justin Barsha is a pickup. I agree with you 110%. This guy had a definite comeback here. You know, watching him at Monster Cup, trying to get through on, on his privateer ride, you know, out of a little trailer and, and trying to make it work, I think it's, it's definitely um, a, a Justin Barsha comeback year. Got on the factory team, pick for the nations. I mean, podiums, you know, if you everything. Like, podium, yeah. Like you he had the me, season you know, that Cooper Webb's supposed to have. Exactly, one hundred percent. And if you would have asked me end of last year, what's Barsha going to do? I would have told you, I'm like, oh man, this guy might be a top ten guy if he's lucky with that. You know, with some of the equipment, he, some things were up in the air with this program. But well, see, even you know, when he, he got he, on the factory factory Yamaha, like, what's he going to do? I don't know, seven to ten. Yeah. Yep. Yep, and he was, was solid. Was like there's was, there was some weekends he was seven to ten, but also like he had a hand injury, came back from that, no big deal. Got some podiums. Mm-hmm. He looked good all year. Yeah, he looked he looked great in Supercross. So um, to to get this third place, you know, the second moto, and and kind of show people, you know, that he that he really is uh, a, a good rider, and you know, this is a good year for him. I think a lot of people are starting to to think about you know some of the hate they're throwing his way. There's a little bit online. I think Barsha is the best guy that we have um, right now in the U.S. who isn't Marvin Muskan or Eli Tomac. So I think it, I think it's the, it's the best movie could have made, strongest movie could have made, and I think it, uh, it it's going to complement uh, what what Tomac brings. And then moving on to Plessinger, that guy is super super solid. I don't know if it's confidence, momentum, a little dash of luck, uh, some training, but he's really really had a, an amazing 2018. He's got a humongous points lead. He's riding these tracks amazingly. He's riding smart. He's thinking, you know, moves ahead of the other guys. Uh, you know, just not not letting too many things come up and, and bother him, and not falling to some of these, you know, this bad luck or these little stupid silly mistakes that are knocking out a lot of other guys in his class. So I think I think overall we've got a very strong team. Uh, I, I think we've got the best chance of winning right now. We're on we're on a track again that we all know. Uh, everyone's really comfortable on it. All of these guys have had amazing finishes. All these guys have won there. So I think there's a definite advantage there. Um, having said that, I know that the Euros are coming and they're going to be extremely fast. You cannot uh, sleep on any of the Euro riders. I mean, because they get on our tracks and they ride them very, very well. Um, you got to remember when uh, when Hurlings came to the last round last year, that guy laid waste to us, man. So, um, I do not want to underestimate um, that, those guys. And you talked about it a little bit too, the Canadian team. Those guys are, are 
super, super talented. Benoit is a really good rider. He had a really good finish um, at the Nations, I believe it was last year or the year before. And you also have Pettis, who is a super aggressive rider. The guy's got amazing style, hungry kid. I mean, just really, really, really good rider. So, um, and then, I mean, how can you forget Colton Fossiati, man? He's, he's like the Ricky Carmichael of, uh, of Canada right now. So, uh, definitely, definitely an amazing rider. So, I mean, you got those guys, you got Team France. I mean, it, it's definitely going to be a good race. I, I, I don't want to, you know, say who's going to win right now. I don't want to put it out there. I think, like I said, I think we've got U.S. as the best shot of winning, but you, you can't knock out any of the other teams that are coming because everybody is on such a high level right now. And I think it's going to be uh, really, really good racing. For sure. And then let's talk about the elephant in the room. And you'd mentioned guys who have won at Redbud. Now, who can I think of that's recently won at Redbud who will not be at at the Disnations this 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 next year? Like who could who could possibly it be that that held the number one um, and then saw a number one from one of the fans? Um, who who held the number one trophy above his head earlier this summer, and will not be lining up? It's not Kevin Benoit, who is in fact on the Canadian team. Uh, it's not Colton Fasciati, who uh, is basically trying to win his fifth uh, 450 outdoor title uh, this weekend, and uh, I believe he uh, he won his first title back in 2008. So ten years between uh, championships, or not like between championships, basically bookending a decade with championships is uh, no big deal. Um, but who, uh, could you refresh my memory or maybe jog it, uh, Dave, that if there's anyone that you can think of that won the 450 championship or 450 uh, t- overall this last, this, uh, this last year at Redbud, that I, I, I can't for, for, for the life of me think of why he wouldn't be on a Disney's team. Do you know who it is? Oh, man, I'm going to have to go with maybe a French guy? I think it, yeah, I, think uh, I, I want to say it's, it's like it, the last name looks like you say it one way, but it's definitely said another way because when he says it, it's a, it's a little bit more French than, than uh, just the, mm-hmm. like the, the Anglo, Anglophone way of saying it. But you, it, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, mm, I think you sound familiar. Marvin Muscan is not going to be racing for France. <laughs> Uh, and that is a travesty. He's the best French rider in the world. And on some days, he's the best rider in the world, period. Um, this is a slight that, uh, this is like uh, JMB uh, not being called, like not being selected to the team back in the early 90s. This is like David Villeman not getting uh, called, like not being uh, signed to the team in 2001 when they actually won it. Um, over uh, actually, that was the one year that uh, the uh, of course because of nine eleven, uh, Team USA did not go, and that's uh, that's why. Uh, well, that's not why they won, but uh, that's that's why uh, no one ever saw. Uh, I think it was yeah, Brownie ever never got to go to the designations and and uh, after the year of his title, which was a bummer. But uh, yeah, like this is this is unprecedented. Marvin Muscan's not racing for France. Why? 
that's that's the question on everyone's mind. I mean, you know, once that story dropped, you saw the headlines everywhere. You know, Marvin Luskin's not on a team. Um, you know, what, what was Team France thinking? And then you you saw his uh, his sort of uh, rebuttal to to what everyone was saying, and you know, saying that he has uh, you know he had every intention of racing. He made it available on his schedule. He was super open to it. He wanted to represent his, his home country um, at a you know and on a track that I'm sure he really likes in a country that he now loves and now lives. So um, I, I honestly, I not knocking any of the other French riders, you know, um, February is a, is a amazing rider. Uh, Gutierrez Pollen's an amazing rider, but I think for their best shot at winning, not grabbing Marvin Muskin was a definite, definite miss. I mean, like you said, that guy is the best French rider in the world. He knows that track inside now he's won there, you know, it's, and it, it's, um, it makes you wonder, you know, who who did Marvin piss off over in France to not uh to not get picked for this thing? It, it would be almost a no brainer if you if you threw in uh, a Gutierrez, Paulin, uh, Ferrandis, and a Marvin, that's almost a dream team scenario right there. I mean, how how can you kind of bet against these guys? You know, they're one of some of the strongest riders that we that they that they have right now, and two of which actually race the series and are and are serious title contenders. So. Um, yeah, in my eyes, it's definitely definitely a, a miss on, on France's part. Uh, if if they do go on to win this year, then obviously you know it wouldn't really matter. But um, you, you gotta wonder if they if they don't do so well, you know how much are they gonna be kicking themselves in the ass for not picking Moussin? And it's it's very very curious. I would love to be a you know a fly on the wall during that meeting and figure out why he wasn't picked. Yeah, like, I understand the the going with like some loyalty there, where they uh, like obviously the team last year did pretty well, um, so you want to call those guys back and see how they can do. Um, but uh, Roman Favre, since his uh, championship season, has been injury riddled and just straight up underperforming. Like if like I don't follow the MXGPs extremely closely but uh the guy's name barely comes up when you watch the motos like it's it's just it's uh jeffrey 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 ac every once in a while jeffrey jeffrey like it's it's one guy that's really dominating over there and then uh like but but uh roman isn't even really sniffing those the lead whatsoever in those motos so to me it's uh, it's kind of a no-brainer to to go with uh, Marvin Muscan, but uh, he's not going to be on the team, and that's just a straight-up loss for uh, for France. It gives that gives every other nation a a better chance of winning when uh, one of the best riders in the world is not showing up. One hundred percent. Yeah, if you look at the uh, look at the results and stuff like that, you know, um, you 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 said it perfectly. You know, Romain was he's he's definitely. He's been a little bit accident prone, quote unquote, you know, to to put it nicely. And um, you know, Gutierrez Fallen, great rider, but you you don't see him up front as much as you see uh, Hurlings and Cairoli, um, and even a guy shears and stuff like that. So, yeah, it really really makes you think. You know, why why did, why this guy wasn't picked? I mean, he was such an obvious choice. You know, it's almost like one plus one equals two. You know, you, you grab the guy who's won there, who was a red plate holder, who can ride for us and who knows the track inside and out, you know, uh, it's just, it, it's definitely a, definitely a, a, a tough one to kind of wrap, wrap your head around. But um, like I said, if, if they, if they come out, you know, with that Chamberlain trophy, then, you know, it, it, I guess they, they knew what they were going in for, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of stats kind of going against them to, to say that, you know, they might have a, a much harder time than they would have if they have, if they would have picked uh, Muskin. 
For sure. And I, I think if you're an athlete on the team and obviously all like both 450s guys are happy to be there, but at some point you also have to look at the federation or the whoever organized the team and say like, hey, you kind of put a little bit extra pressure on me here thinking that like, like if I don't go out and win, everyone's going to say it's because no, like we didn't have Marvin. Like, and like, I, I, obviously these guys are like the best in the world. They have to believe that they are the like they're they're the best guy for the job. But I think in your heart of hearts, if you if you drink some truth serum, uh, Roman Favre or Gauthier Pollen cannot like honestly say that they're a better French rider than uh, than Marvin Muscan right now. They just can't. Um, exactly. but, uh, let's, let's move on to the other, um, very strange news that got dropped, uh, at, at Redbud and kind of stole the show, honestly, as far as, uh, what people wanted to talk about. Um, still red, white, and blue. Actually, all three of those teams are red, white, and blue. Um, but, uh, Team Puerto Rico, Ryan Sipes will, uh, race, uh, designations for the very first time. Uh, aboard a 125 two-stroke, which is never a good idea unless it's 2003, um, or honestly, even uh, like, you have to go further back before before that was a really great idea to show up on a 125. Um, but uh, uh, past champion Travis Pastrana will suit up uh, in the first time he's racing a professional race in damn near 12 years, and uh, Ronald Mack um, will also suit up, uh, of course. Um, for those who don't know, that's Jimmy Albertson, uh, is the kind of alter ego. Um, what do you make of this? Do you like it? Like, uh, I personally, like the motocross nations is kind of like, it's the Olympics. It's our Olympic. It's, it's the, the, it's the, the pageantry. It's the tapestry. It's the, it's everything kind of grand and almost like, it almost feels like Royal about motocross. Uh, if we can ever have something super organized and just like, so almost proper, if it will. And then you inject, uh, three guys that might not be taking this race as seriously as they should. What do you think? I, I echo exactly what you, what you, what you just said. So for me, motocross nations is one of is probably the biggest race of the season. It gives you a chance to see how our guys are fair against their guys. And you know what, it's almost like a reset, you know, to see who is the, who's the fastest team, who's the fastest guy, you know, all the, all the keyboard warriors get what they want. You know, my guy's faster, this guy's faster, what have you. So um, it's, it's, it's a really cool, unique event in that way. And there is some sort of prestige and some, some grandiose uh, sort of history and tradition behind it. Um, and you, you do get that, that really, like you said, it, you, the, the pretty regal feel. So um, I, the minute I heard about Those that, some I was big like, words you know, you used. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to use all these, all these vocab words, my girlfriend. Mm. But, uh, Word of the day. Kevin. But um, exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good right now. Yeah. But uh, you know, when, when I, I had two thoughts when I first saw that. So number one was, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, hey, man, you should be taking it a little bit more seriously. This is a pretty serious event. You shouldn't be, you know, throwing alter egos in the race and um, riding bikes only for a few Instagram likes because they're old two-strokes. Um, the second one was, um, you know, how, 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 did they, how did they all get this together? Like, you know, how, how did this – who made the first phone call? Who was, who was the, the brain – the orchestrator behind all, all of this and, and, and how did it come to be? So um, it's, it's definitely, definitely something that I got my attention. So I guess the, it's a job well done. Um, but it's um, yeah, it, it's definitely something that's, that's a bit unique. It's super American. I'll tell you that much. This is probably the most American thing I've heard of. Ronnie <laughs> Mack on a two stroke, Ryan Pipes, 
old, good old country boy and a cheap yeah. joke and, you know, American homegrown pastrana, you know, so, uh, you know, not, I, I don't want to knock these guys, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of them, you know, watching the Rodney Mike videos. I mean, how could you not laugh or have a smile on your face? Pastrana is everyone's childhood hero and Sites is just a guy that, you know, can ride a motorcycle no matter what kind on what kind of condition. So, um, you know, I want to see them right all right. do really Exactly. I want to see them. I'm going to see those guys go there, kick ass, do awesome, represent Puerto Rico. Um, you know, I, I, like I said it before, I did kind of share that sentiment you, you said about, you know, it, not, not taking it that seriously. Um, but I did hear that they are doing it for um, some, some, uh, some charity or some relief yeah, some for relief what happened in a, Puerto Rico. Uh, yeah. It was a hurricane. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so, so that, you know, the green piece in me, the, the Mr. Econ, you know, um, ecology. Says the guy who works of, for Harley. Well, still, my you know my, my degree is engineering with a sustainability background, so I do care about the environment. Okay, um, all right. So, You're you making know. sure that those uh, uh, 300 pound machines get a little bit get a better gas mileage while the uh, motor jiggles inside those rubber gussets uh, just that little bit better. I get it. I get it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, that, that's that, that's what I'm there for. But uh, yeah, so you know, once once I saw that sort of that positive give back um, aspect of it, I was like, okay. You know, I'm, I can get a little bit more behind this. They're not just going out just to kind of, um, you know, shake things up and be like a counterculture sort of movement. But they're there to, you know, to have fun, but also make sure that the impact they're having has an even bigger impact and actually going back to the country they're, they're representing. So um, having, having seen that, I'm, a, I'm definitely a lot more behind them than I was. And I'm really hoping that they do well and get a lot of attention. Um, that way, they can sort of raise awareness and get the funding that they're looking to get. So, um, I, I think I think it's interesting. Um, I hope this isn't a, a continuous thing. Uh, like, you know, I, I don't want to see a, a sort of like a spectacle every year. I want the spectacle to be the race itself, and and to not not deter from that. But um, you know, it, it's something different, something new. Mixes it up a little bit. Gets everyone gets everyone involved get some added funding to a place that really needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't want to pass any judgment until I actually see the event. So, Right. Totally agree. I think that the, the uh, hurricane relief fund, really cool. And like, they kind of said, Oh, it's for charity. So you can't be, you can't bash it. But honestly, um, like whatever money that they're going to, or they're, they're going to raise Travis Estrana himself could probably in a good will, uh, uh, like a, a goodwill uh, act, he could uh, he could stroke a check for whatever they're gonna um, whatever whatever they're gonna um, actually generate from this thing. But uh, like my question is, first of all, uh, in like on TV and when I watch this thing, or actually when I'm in uh, in the media center along with yourself watching this race um, in uh, Buchanan, Michigan, uh, which I will be at that race by hook or by crook, we're gonna be there. Uh, but, uh, like it's going to say, it's going to say Jimmy Albertson on the, on the, um, on the results and on the ticker, like it's not going to say our Mac, right? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Like I I guess so. I mean, like you, like, yeah, like you, like you can do that when it's Oz X and you can do that when it's Red Bull straight rhythm, but like, you can't do that when it's that, that's not who that is. Um, and I, like it's 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 pretty like it's 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 like the worst kept secret in the world now as far as motocross goes. That's who it is. Uh, and anyone who like disagrees with me can just yeah they like or want to dispute that like uh, that you don't have your argument doesn't have any water. Um, 
but uh, and then on top of that, like, is a if it's a Suzuki two fifty two stroke, like, is that bike homologated to race at the motocross nations? Like, as far as I'm concerned, the only bike that actually is legal to ride would be the Husky one two five. Like, I don't know. Like, I like there's. Like, I don't think there's a rule against riding old bikes, but I know in the states, in the states, you can't even ride um, a Yamaha 252-stroke in Supercross if you want, because it's not yeah, homologated. It's, it, they don't, they don't send like it's not not because they don't make enough, uh, sell enough of them or make enough of them. The AMA does not does not request or does not send, uh, or the Yamaha does not send frames, swing arms, and whatever else. Uh, to the AMA to get their stuff uh, checked over and put into the system as far as, as as a bike that you would see out there. It just doesn't. So, Which is a huge miss, I think. You need to get every every yeah. motocross, supercross capable bike out there, right. you know, checked, inspected, certified to make sure, hey, if someone wants to ride this thing, then then we're, we're good. I think that's a huge miss on Yamaha's part. But, For but sure. That's a good point. The, that the reason no why one they have that asking. is because they don't want people showing up on a 1997 uh, Screaming Eagle Honda, and like that might not be like safe to ride. Like this is it's a safety thing. Like like you can't have a, yeah. a 1993 CR250. As much as Jeremy McGrath loved that bike, that platform, that everything, uh, if it's got some fatigue in it, and all of a sudden it breaks in half on a triple, and someone lands on that guy and ends up like in a wheelchair, well then it's it's a whole lot less cool now. So, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're you're definitely definitely right. Yeah, I'm. That's I'll be surprised if, if if there's a if there's a 1997 CR 252 stroke on the line at um at at, uh, at Redbud. Like, I, I just I can't see that happening. What do you think his uh, his other options would be? Could he, could he maybe go for one of those service Honda sort of you know quote unquote 2018 CR 250F? Or whatever the designation is, or is he going to hop on a Husky or KTM maybe? And Ronnie Mack might turn over a, a new leaf and go go modern. I don't know. Maybe, kind of I, that, that's one thing. Like uh, they said, they're going to do two strokes. So I don't see him changing. Uh, I, I like at the very like I, I could the only thing I could possibly see is if they somehow found a like a, a 2008 CR 250. Which would be the most the early, like the most recent rendition of that bike, isn't a whole lot different from the '97 ex- uh, except for a few things and like, like RC valve this that and the other thing. People will call me out on that uh, as far as them being different, but not like leaps and bounds different um, as far as the the um, and like it's going to have to have fenders on it, and I think he has to run number 40, 49. Um but and like he has to have a regular helmet. He have to have like you're not running around an open faced helmet either. So like, like so if like with all those things in play, like is it still like like you know what I mean? Like with all those things different, is it still a Ronnie Mac thing? Like I guess he could still do his boner airs and ride with his elbows down. Um, but like, doesn't that just kind of like oh, if I have to follow all those rules, like why am I even here? For for me, it it makes it not Ronnie Mac. The 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 big the big draw for Ronnie Mac is the the big fu to to organization. Yeah, like you know, Aida, pure PBR. Yeah, pure yeah. pure anarchy. You know, just just doing his own thing, no rules. So I mean, if if you see the guy, you know, 
outside of his trademark, you know, cut helmet overalls and PBR stickers everywhere. And, uh, you know, he's in, a, he's in regular, you know, Fox gear and full yeah, like helmet. Yeah, he won't be able to wear overalls at the, more across the nations, period. And I don't even care yeah, if he makes so, the like, he won't even be able to race, race the qualifiers that way. Like, I'm not, I'm not nope. even, like, like, I, I'm not factoring in the making the A-main. Um, like even if it's the the qualifiers, you're, you're going to do it in, in motocross gear, period. Like mm-hmm. it, it, even if it's canvas gear, that's like branded to, or like made to look like jeans and, uh, old, you can, I guess you can wear an old Jersey if you want. It doesn't really matter. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like, or is this like sort of like the, the death of the character? Like, you know, what I mean? like in a, in a TV show, they'd like completely change who a character is basically to kill them off. Like, and or is that kind of like the direction we're going here? This this could very well be the the end of Ronnie Mac, you know, or it could be a Ronnie Mac new chapter or, or what have you. I mean, I, I think they could spin this a little bit more creatively, you know. But uh, who you know, who knows? It, there's there's a lot of things, you know. We just named them. We just named a, a laundry list of, of reasons that could that could kind of knock this uh, knock this off that big pedestal that everyone's putting it on and make yeah. it seem a little bit more chintzy. A little bit more, uh, quote unquote, corporate, and not as free form and and uh, and open as as everyone seems to think it will be. So you know, uh, like, like you said, Oz X and straight rhythm is one thing, but when you're going against you know youth stream FIM type stuff, then things get a little bit more more regulated, more regimented. So it's I, I'd be very shocked to see anything but those guys on very modern bikes. Um, I'd be shocked to see. Uh, Ronnie Mack on something that's not a KTM or Husky two-stroke if he does choose to go the two-stroke route still. so Yeah, well, I, who knows? The, the, that was their premise. Like, we're, we're doing it. We're doing yeah. it two-strokes. Um, like, I, 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 I don't even know if you can get an RM250 past the, like, the homologation and the rules. Like, I guess, yeah, like, they, they're allowed to run, like, works bikes, I guess, in, um, in those nations like they, like guys can have like pretty one-off stuff at those races. So maybe that's the only loophole that allows them to do it is because it's like, it's just as exotic as, uh, Jeffrey Hurling's, um, 450. Cause his like, it, like they have like special frames and this, that, and the other thing. Like they, they don't ride what we buy here in K in, uh, or, or what Marvin Moose can rides. Um, so maybe that's the only loophole that allows it to happen. Um, and like, I assume they've thought of these things that I've kind of just kind of like kind of stumbled across and like, uh, the ideas rolling through my head in the last 20 minutes, uh, as we somehow have not yet gotten to the 450 class in, uh, the first, uh, 50, almost 50 minutes of this, or the 250 class in the first 50 minutes of this podcast. So we'll maybe have to keep those guys pretty short given the fact that it's almost 11 o'clock here. But, uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, I hope that they take it about as seriously as they can or that they should. And I hope they come to play because I think that would be really cool, especially to see Travis. Travis, to me, if he even rides at like 80% of what he's capable of now, not like what he was capable of in 2000 when he's like jumping over Ernesto Fonseca down the hill in, in France and winning and blah, blah, blah. Like I don't, I don't expect that. That is literally almost 20 years ago. But uh, if he can come out, 252 stroke, couple of heel clickers, doesn't try to uh, to backflip the leap, although that would be cool. Um, and that uh, like they, they do their motos, and maybe they don't make the A-mains, but it, it makes for some cool video. 
I would be cool with that. But if it's if it's Ronnie Mack, like uh, my biggest thing with it is is that like when I look at the list of guys that are going to be representing their countries, who like they're not a country that's looking to possibly win this thing. They they want to just want to do their very best and like say they are um, Yusuke Watanabe, which I believe he's for, he's uh, of of Japanese descent. And if he's not, fuck, I suck. But uh, or or uh, 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 Tokishi uh, Tamita, like the guy's been training all year long. Hopefully to represent his country, and honestly, he'll pro- they'll probably do quite well if he's top ten and regularly in the top twenty in nationals. That means he's basically same. Uh, he's on the same pace as a uh, uh, Colton Bastiati or a uh, 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 what's his name, Kevin uh, Benoit. So he's right in there with the Canadian guys, which are totally legit. And those guys train all year so that they can like do their best at this event. Of course, they have other events they want to train for, but this is something you you circle on your calendar. You when you're growing up as a kid, you're like, I want to race Supercross, I want to race an outdoor national, and I want and, and I want to be good enough to get selected for the motocross to nations. And I, I I think that if he gets selected to this, I would be it would be a shame to me if Ronnie Mack gets more coverage than those guys. You know what I mean? Like. Agreed. This, this sideshow kind of, that kind of a joke gets more attention than the kid that's been training his entire life to get to this event that might never get back to it. That would suck. Agreed. And that, that goes into, you know, making a spectacle of something that's, that we, that the motocross world holds in high regard. So yeah, yeah you know, I, I want to, and you, you do, you do want to bring added attention and added focus to, to this event, but at the same time, you have to really respect the roots of it and really appreciate just how how grand this event is and you you did a great job of equating it to the olympics you know everyone when the olympics are on the whole the whole world shuts down you know where for for that you know few couple of weeks you know everyone everyone watches sports that we really would never watch you know we, we watch you know the the pole vaulting and uh you know curling for example in the winter olympics but because it's curling. the olympics we all yeah, yeah, you know, we, we all we all give it that respect. We all we all give it that attention, and we we understand. Hey, you know, yeah, this sport might be a little weird or off, but hey, you know, these guys train their whole life for this moment. Uh, they train their whole year for this one event, what what have you. And you know, it's time to pay these guys some respect and realize that these are the, these are the best guys from each one of their countries doing this one task. So I think you know us, you know, moto heads, us moto nerds, we're this, we're the same way. And if you to take away from that. Would be uh, would be a huge miss on you know Team Puerto Rico's uh, um, Team Puerto Rico's side, I guess. But uh, if if they come in and actually add you know some some decent value and kind of respect the rules and respect what what this event what this event is all about, then I think that it it would definitely be uh, definitely be something positive and something that you know that I would be into welcoming back as long as it's adding value to something that we already hold in high regard. For sure, I, I totally agree. It's uh, it's kind of a, I'm gonna wait and see attitude with it. It get it gets announced and like this was completely out of left field, um, to begin with. Like there wasn't really much talk about who could possibly ride for their their team at all going going into this year or going into the weekend. But uh, it's all come out now, and uh, I will reserve judgment until afterwards when uh, we do our motocross to nations review pod when we're sitting in the same hotel room uh after the usa most likely takes uh their first victory uh for a long for the first time in six years and probably their last victory for a couple because i think they're going to a sand track in switzerland next year 
you guys are oh, fucked boy. when it comes to that. Because <laughs> uh, like even the, like the sandiest track in the nationals isn't all that sandy. I, like pretty much like actually the Canadians might have a, a little bit of leg up because we got like three gnarly sand tracks in the, in the Canadian in the track. Canadian nationals. But uh, either way, uh, hard pressed. To uh, to win at uh, at a, at a man made, uh, completely bottomless sand track uh, in uh, in Europe uh, on on foreign soil. So maybe like so, I, I really hope you guys uh, show up and do your best, and all nations do. But let's throw it to commercial break really quick here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by the Collective Experience. Go check them out. We'll talk a little bit about that after the break. But uh, yeah, so it's commercial break right now. Right back here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. Hey everyone, let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entiknap, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out The Collective Experience today. TheCollectiveXP.com, as well as the collective ex on instagram is where you can find the collective experience do so immediately the collective experience nobody gets you closer what's wrong jeff i don't know jay well you better fuel up with the nutritious breakfast with oats and bran oats and bran i didn't think there was such a that's what i used to think now i start out every morning with a bowl of amigos for extreme kids like us That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. Hey, guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. And we're back, Big MX Radio podcast show. Uh, thank you for staying with us. If you're still with us after all of that MXDN talk and... Um, Talking about Marvin Muscan and talking about uh, Ronnie Mack, Jim, Jimmy Albertson, um, and uh, whatever else. Talk about the 250s quickly here. But before we get to that, Dave, if, if I was a motocross fan, which I am, and I was, I wanted, I go to one race a year, it's, uh, it's the San Diego Supercross. Um, but I don't want to just have, like, I, I'm, I'm coming all the way from Canada, like I am, right? Or if I'm coming from uh, Ontario or I'm coming all the way from New York, I don't know why I'm going all the way from New York to go to San Diego, maybe because I like nice weather in the middle of uh, January. But either way, if I, I want to have, like, an extra special experience. I want to uh, enjoy myself more than anyone else at the track. I want to I have an experience that nobody else has. How do I do that? 
Well, we get you hooked up, Mr. Brand, with uh, the collective experience. So we're all about experiences just like that. We, we're all about catering to fans who come from long distances, who are uber fans of the sport, uh, who want to make the most out of, their, out of their time. You know, a lot of us, when we travel these races, we take a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of money, and we want to really make the most out of it. Uh, and we cater to people exactly like that. So we get you hooked up behind the scenes with your absolute favorite riders, your pr- favorite privateer riders, favorite privateer teams, and uh, give you an experience that it's very, very hard to obtain in the sport if you don't have the little credential card or you aren't on a team already. So we actually bring you on and make you feel like you're a real member of the team. We get you hands-on, helping out some of the mechanics, working with the riders. Uh, you're doing a, a, lot, a lot of things that a lot of people – um, even within the industry, don't get a chance to do reviewing race videos with the riders. Uh, you're you're talking to gear people. You're getting you're getting things the rider needs for their bikes. Um, you're learning firsthand what it takes to operate a team at this high level. What goes into the riders' training, uh, and a lot of these riders actually really utilize the extra set of hands. They're they're just excited about the experience as the fans are. So um, that's something that we, that we really pride ourselves on is just making sure that we build these connections that last beyond the race that gets you completely immersed in the sport unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And we do that all year round at, um, at all the rounds, and it's something that, uh, that has been well-received and that's got some great traction and um, got great reviews from a lot of fans who, you know, A, either wanted to check out uh, a race at a different experience or B, somebody who wants to work in the industry and who made connections and ended up on a team uh, or somebody that's looking to be a pro racer themselves and actually got a bunch of great mentors and riding coaches and riding buddies uh, in, in a lot of these pros and industry people. So um, it's, a, it's a program that goes a long way that, that really helps a wide range of people and something that we're going to bring back to 2019. We're going to make it even bigger and better and um, try to help as many people as we can. And if anyone's interested, uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Collected EX. We do tons of giveaways, um, tons of contests, tons of content. Um, you can check us out online to sign up. It's thecollectivexp.com. Send us your questions, your comments. Send us your DMs. Um, let us know if uh, if you like it, what you want, it, what you change if you could. I mean, we're always looking for feedback and always looking to talk to our fans and figure out how we can make an experience uh, unique for you. So awesome, man! Um, yeah, yeah. You might get a chance to run into. You know, Brad from Big and Next, you know, scarfing down some free food every once in a while. Oh, yeah. If you uh, end up yeah. by the the, uh, <laughs> the Rockwell rig, you will see me going back for second uh, and sometimes third. So it's just I don't want to ha- have those guys throw away food or, yeah, like, I, like they, they honestly have one of the most underrated food in the pits. Uh, for those who don't know, they, they, uh, their spread is probably better than anybody's. Uh, but, yeah, no, absolutely. Sometimes... And I think we need to collaborate on that a little bit more this uh, this next January. Is get uh, a little bit of a meet greet and and basically just allow myself to meet your uh, the people that you have doing the experience and then just verbally cut you down for about twenty or so minutes, um, which is oh, basically be, my favorite thing. <laughs> it wouldn't be a super cross race if we didn't do that. And I think I think it's probably one of the best kept secrets at the races is how good the Rockwell food is. I cannot talk about how amazing and how much of that food there is there. It is just, it's so good. And I, man, it, it's, it gets me sad thinking of like when the season ends, cause I won't get all of that awesome free food at the races. And you, you know, I, I can't cook that well. So it's, it's, it's pretty miserable, but oh, um, sure. yeah, that's definitely, you'll, that's where you'll find us. And yeah, we'll definitely, 
um, get something going where fans can see how horrible you treat me, and uh, I can walk <laughs> away with my head, head my head hanging down and my sad puppy pout. You know, come <laughs> on, you're the predator. Don't even start with me. But let's uh, <laughs> let let's jump into the two fifties here. Uh, Maybe no love for Marvin Muskan, but you gotta love uh, another Frenchman getting to the top of the podium. He's one-one on the day. The Euros do race in the mud a little bit more than uh, than Americans do, obviously, because they they uh, race in a little bit more inclement weather here and there. And they happen to have seventeen plus outdoors. How many rounds do they have? I think they have like forty races. It seems like um, so. Uh, no stranger to the mud, Dylan Ferrandis. Uh, utilizing the double goggle uh, strategy to catapult him to a 1-1 performance. Uh, but uh, my standout ride for the 250s is uh, Aaron Plessinger in the clutch, riding well, not amazing. He did go 1-1, but uh, he rode the way he needed to um, in this, uh, this, these last few races before uh, he wraps this up. I believe two weeks ago uh, when we were talking about Washougal before the break, I said that uh, Aaron's going to wrap this thing up after the first moto in, um, in, in, in uh, Bud's Creek. And uh, I think if he even just finishes a couple of spots ahead of Alex Martin, that's the way it's going to be. That, that just goes back to what we've been saying all year. It's, Plessinger is making this the right moves at the right time. And like, you know, this past weekend, you know, yeah, there was a few times when he was ahead of uh, Ferrandez and, you know, he was, he was hunting down a bunch of riders and, you know, really slicing and dicing. And I think, you know, uh, something clicks in him when he says, you know what, this is a good enough place right now. Second going two two. my points are good. I don't think I have, you know, um, I don't have Martin behind me, um, you know, too close. So, you know, I'll go ahead and settle down and it's just, just, Things like that, decisions like that, not pushing the envelope when he doesn't have to, or or wicking it up when he knows he needs to. I mean, I I think he's just he's riding at a, such a great level, um, such a such a great uh, headspace right now for him, and he he rode very very well. You put it greatly. He, you know, he didn't do anything too crazy. He was you know relatively quiet from from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Which is, I'm sure, just fine with him and his team going two-two and still still maintaining a decent points gap over Psychic. So, a uh, great ride for Plessinger, and you know we all expected him to, to to definitely run away with this thing. You know, he's he's a mud specialist. That guy that he rides amazingly. The rougher, the rut, more rutted, the more sketchy, the more wet. Like he he really shines, and his uh, off-road riding skills really really take off. So. Um, that should give you a good indication of how awesome Ferrandez is riding because that guy was on absolute rails as much as most, you know, best he could uh, in, in those conditions. But he rode very, very well and, and looked extremely comfortable in this awful, awful stuff. So even with the, you know, getting hung up in the fence for a little bit, he still managed to maintain his lead, um, not get too flustered, not get too in his own head, and, and rode really, really well. And uh, I think he's really turning a lot of heads and surprising people that kind of counted him out after his gnarly Supercross crash and came back, and he's he's a threat, man. And I think this is securing himself for for next season as, as that guy. You know, he's he's won multiple motos, went 1-1 one, one at one of the worst races we've seen in a while, and there's no reason why he can't contend for that title next year and be the next Plessinger when, when, when Plessinger uh, steps up. So, uh, yeah, definitely those two guys are – were world class ahead of the rest of them, and I think the Yamaha guys were were super excited. For sure, and uh, he'll be he'll be moving on up. 
uh, next year riding the big bike uh, alongside uh, Justin Varsha. Um, we always talk about these like standout rides or the the anomaly style rides in uh, at mud races. The, the guys who the the Ricky the Rick Ryan's um, of the world and uh, like of course uh, Kelly Smith winning in the 125 class high point uh, in. Um, I think it was 2000, uh, or maybe it was 01. Yeah, it was 01. Um, but Mitchell Harrison, and I, I think it was kind of funny how they mentioned this on the broadcast, that uh, this this third overall, is, it definitely looks good because I think he's looking for a ride next year. But, of course, every time that, like, say you have one of these results and it's a mud race, like, it immediately has an asterisk on it that it, it's a mud race. Like, Weird things happen in mud races. Unexpected things happen in mud races. And uh, although he was consistent on the day, 4-4, uh, much like the guys ahead of him in, on the podium, um, like, in, like unless unless Mitchell Harrison backs us up at Bud's Creek, uh, I think you got to kind of chalk this up as uh, a, a good day in the mud for for Mitchell Harrison. Hats off to him for doing uh, for doing well, but uh, tough to put a lot of stock stock into a uh, a, a podium ride um, and the first the first one of its kind for years. That's one of the weird things about a about a mud race, especially for the guys who benefit from that. The guys who we see and the 15th, you know, uh, 10th, 11th sort of spot back there, and they do start to move up uh, and, you know, and, and get that podium spot just like Mitchell Harrison did. You're right. People put the asterisk right next to his name and say, hey, it was kind of a, a one-off weird deal with the mud race, and you know how that kind of goes. So I think the, the best thing he could have done right now was uh, maybe followed up or, or – or, preset what we did, saw this past weekend with a better finish, maybe a top seven or a top six, and then um, and then finish out hopefully next weekend and buzz with an, with another good finish because um, that that really is almost like a you know he wasn't really there type type deal. So even though he got his podium, everyone's going to be eyeing that as like you said that that one special special case and special condition. And not taking anything away from him, he wrote awesome. He was battling with guys that you thought would blow him away, you know, which they usually do in these races and kind of leave him in the dust. And, and he was holding his own and, and rode some really smart races. Uh, his lines are really good. Uh, he was he was uh, super aggressive when he needed to be, but kind of like Ferrandis kind of uh, metered a little bit and, and just kind of let the race kind of come to him. And 4-4 uh, is a very, very solid, uh, solid finish in a stack class on a really, really muddy racetrack against guys who are really, really good this year. So, uh, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him, but sadly that's that's how our sport is. That's how people are going to view it unless he follows up next weekend with something like a, like another a top 10 or a top 5, uh, a place where we haven't really seen him much this year. Absolutely. And, like, hey, maybe this is, like, we talk about the mental game. Maybe this is the springboard that Mitchell needs to be a consistent top five guy. Um, I, like, well, it's yet to be seen. But uh, who knows? Like, uh, this could flip a switch. And uh, and we see him up there um, more often than not. But uh, a couple of things kind of jump off the page at me. And, of course, like, again, this is a, uh, uh, a mud race, so you can't take too much stock in, in, in any of this. But uh, a great ride. From Cameron McAdoo in second moto, led some laps, ended up uh, going backwards a little bit after that, but a great ride 
up until then. Um, but to me, I actually expected uh, Justin Cooper to have a much better ride. Second time he's at uh, Unadilla, of course, coming out of uh, from Loretta's last year with the Horizon Award. Comes out at Loretta's, uh, after Loretta's at, at Unadilla and has himself a great ride. Um, but uh, yeah, like, like some, some kind of down performances late in the season, maybe battling a bit of an injury. But uh, I expected more out of the, out of the 62. I did too, you know, being that he's from New York and, you know, I know, I know this guy has ridden this track quite a bit, put, spent some laps. Um, you know, I, I think we, we, we all kind of expected Justin to come out and show us what we've seen, you know, early in the season. And the fact that it rained almost kind of, for some reason, gave me even more hope that he would uh, finally, you know, maybe do like the, do the one, one performance that we saw for Randis and leading up to this race, there's no reason why, you know, he really couldn't. He's, really shocked a lot of people with, with his other finishes and, and running super, super solid. So I expected him to, to, to be kind of where Aaron Plessinger or Dylan Ferrandez was this, uh, this year. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of, what the hangup was or what kind of got under, under his skin a little bit this year, whether it was crashes or just bad line selection, bad stars, goggle issues for this race. You know, it could be a number of things in a mud race. Um, but yeah, you definitely expected him to do a little, little bit better. Um, but you know, it's, we still have uh, quite a few more motos to go. This could just be a fluke race for him. We could see him kick ass next weekend in, uh, in, in Bud's Creek. So I want to put too much stock in his eighth place, just given his track record for the year. Um, I want to just give him this free pass, say, hey, it was a kind of a bummer, bum race for you. Maybe we can move on and, and um, get, a, get a better one next, uh, next run and get back to where he was on the podium. And um, you, you mentioned it earlier, McAdoo uh, rode very well in the second one, and uh, kind of redeemed himself a little bit and led some laps and kind of showed that spark of, okay, this is that same kid that we saw, you know, last year really starting to make some moves. And, and uh, this is why he has a Geico ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Starting, you know, the, the reason why Geico kind of plucked him from the MCR rig, um, you know, that, that came back to be the one that everyone was toting as the next big thing. And we, you know, we haven't seen that this year. We haven't seen the reason why this guy was picked or, or that, that kid that everyone was talking about. So to see a, um, a, someone, you know, like him lead the laps and show, show everyone like, Hey, I'm here. Cause you, you forget the guys in the team sometimes, um, you know, especially when RJ Hanshire is riding pretty decent. You got like a Sexton at least hopping around some, you know, top five, top six um, places. So uh, it was definitely, definitely good for the team and for him to lead some laps and for him to hopefully get the confidence uh, under uh, underneath them and um, you know need some laps and just just do it like up front because you know you know he's capable of doing it just a matter of uh, you know what's what's holding him back and, and when can he turn things around for sure and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to, pro- to to seeing how he can do uh, at the next couple of races I uh, he's definitely looking for a contract I don't think he's he's signed up for anyone for next year um Cantrell does have a next uh, another year I think it, it was a three-year deal when he first signed as a professional so uh, we'll see uh Sean Cantrell back uh but uh I, you got to imagine wet or dry second 22nd overall is not uh where a factory supported rider wants to be uh scoring I think that's three points on the day that's not 
not exactly getting it done. Uh, I think uh, he's he's got to put his head down over the the off season and, and really make something happen. And uh, same same goes for uh, the guy that uh, ended up twenty first overall, Jordan Bailey. I realized second is his rookie season, still rocking the three digit number. Um, and he's a kid; he's, he's raw. But uh, at the same time, these kids have been going fast for quite some time now, and uh, they they need to to get some get some serious results. Like uh, in my opinion. Based on like uh, hype, uh, potential, this, that, and everything, I would expect Jordan Bailey and uh, and uh, Sean Cantrell to be ahead of Jimmy Weeks, to be ahead of Enzo Lopes, to be ahead of uh, Rami Alves, Dakota Alex, uh, Luke uh, Luke Resland, um, Hayden Melross, and that ends up there in fifteenth. And, uh, like, not to say that's a huge, gigantic leap, but, um, yeah, that's, that's six guys that those two need to be in front of, uh, straight up. Like, and they need to be in the mix with, uh, Michael Moseman, who, like, actually led some laps this last weekend. Great ride from him. They need to be dicing it up with Cameron McAdoo. And right now, like, I don't think those guys have seen each other all year. Yeah, 16th place, you know, is, the, is the the worst that they should be doing, you know? Yeah, um, you you know you know that right. Yeah, you you know that right in the head. You know, uh, these these are amateur like prodigies. These guys were were groomed and picked from early age. You know, uh, Cantrell, what eighty five? He was you know groomed and and they brought Bailey onto the to the white bikes, plucked him from uh, from Cali pretty early. So um, you expect these guys to 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 be up front. They've been training on these teams, having the support having that foundation for a long time and you know that they're extremely fast and it's it's almost it's uh, almost like a uh, like a, a resource waste when you uh when you when you do this for a rider and, they, and you get them in the pro ranks and they start dishing out 22nd, 19th, uh 20th, 25th and and just really doing a lot worse than kids who had maybe a quarter of their support through the amateurs so um you know I I don't know if this is a this is a uh a case of where, you know, uh, a kid gets too much hype, too much support, isn't ready for it, but, you know, feels obligated to move up, or if it's just, you know, nerves and being a uh, newer rookie, uh, like, just like Bailey, Cantrell, really can't can't think about himself too much because he's, he's been at it for a little bit, but uh, it, 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 could, it could be a number of things, and you really it really makes you scratch your head as to why these, these kids aren't performing and why they're not living up to this potential. And, hey, you know, why not give Enzo Lopes or, or Hayden Melross these rides if they're doing better? You know, why why is it that this 16-year-old kid who can't get a, you know, a top 20, why is he had the ride? So you, you want to try to limit all of that by getting these good results and, and figuring out, you know, what what's lacking in your program. Is it confidence? Is it bike set up? Is it prep for the races? Is it fitness? I think it, all these things need to be taken into consideration um, especially when you're when you're trying to grab a kid fresh out of amateurs and throw them onto a into the to big show, it's it's a big step, it's a big leap, and you know not everyone takes well to it. I think one of the only guys that in this class that are really that really suited well to it was a uh, Austin Forkner came out swinging, Justin Cooper came out swinging. Uh, I guess you could say a little bit about Hampshire, but you know even him it took a little bit of time. So um, it's it's tough. It's really 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 hard to pick kids from AMs that that. That can that cannot only perform very well, but perform very well on the pros. So, um, yeah, they're few and far between. I think it's just the roll the dice right now for these teams. But regardless, you know, no matter what the reason is, they should be up there. They should be. Uh, they should be making a 
bigger splash. For sure, and, and uh, I, 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 at this point, like the thing is, uh, maybe sometimes uh, people like either one of these guys would be listening. They'd probably want to light me on fire because I think I've mentioned them on every podcast. Kind of like a little bit disappointed, but the reality is, I wouldn't be disappointed if I didn't expect better. Um, and I think that's something that people that don't uh, don't kind of think of when they're really taking into account like why someone might be disappointed in your your results or how you're doing is, is that I, I legitimately think that Sean Cantrell has the raw talent and Jordan Bailey have the raw talent to fight with uh, R.J. Hampshire, Jordan Smith, Austin Forkner. The, like these are the same guys that they they battled for championships with in the amateurs, like. Uh, like I, obviously, uh, like Forkner was a pretty dominant guy, but it's not like he was forty-five seconds ahead of Sean Cantrell, which is where he's currently finishing. Uh, which is it, it's that's a huge gap. So um, I, I feel like that should be closer, um, and, and it's it's not because uh, I think they suck or they're not trying. They're not hard, like they're whatever. I like I just they're they're uh, um, they're right now. They're not where they they where they should be or where they they need to be to have those rides. And uh, I, I hope that they uh, ride to their potential or uh, or figure something out. Uh, obviously, both riders will get another chance in 2019 to prove themselves, and I hope they do exactly that. Being uh, older guys and being more uh, just that one more year under your belt and stuff like that. But uh, um, it's just past eleven uh, eleven, and uh, if if I imagine. Dave, if you were to make any wish right now, it would probably that uh, this Canadian kid would shut up about motocross for five minutes and let you go to sleep, which is what we're going to do here on the Big MX Radio It'd podcast be- show brought to you by the Collective Experience. But before I let you go, any last, any uh, final statements or uh, things you'd like to plug? A, uh, a shameless plug from Dave, uh, Dave Drakes before I let you go. Uh, I would just say, you know, um, keep an eye out on these... Uh, on these next couple of races, I think something really cool is going to start shaping up. Um, you should also keep your eyes on the collective experience because we've got something really, really cool, unique, uh, and very interactive coming for Straight Rhythm that we're going to unveil on Friday. So, um, you know, if if you're a fan of Straight Rhythm, if you're a fan of the collective experience, if you're a fan of Two Strokes, you're definitely going to want to make sure you guys stay tuned for what we have to unveil on Friday. And I think it's really going to shake some things up and really give fans um, just that one more opportunity to be fully immersed in the sport. Um, but we'll try to make it a little bit easier for people this time to get to us. So, uh, yeah, really excited about that. But I think you have an announcement too, don't you, uh, Brad, for a little winner that we picked for uh, our Jersey giveaway? Yes, and thank you for reminding me uh, as you were talking. I was like, oh, we, we can't wrap this up without giving away a jersey. We've been uh, trying. We've been uh, like putting the, a couple posts out to uh, to to get together or get some some contestants in for this competition. It's a, uh, a is it a signed or is it just a jersey from AJ Cotton no. number eighty? Is it signed? It's signed, fully signed. fully signed by the cat himself. Uh, the cat himself, who of course was on the podcast less than a week ago, we were talking about the academy that uh, that he runs. Uh, but uh, your winner is Dyson Peters. Dyson Peters 292. Uh, you are the winner of our, uh, of our, our competition. And we're going to try to do a few more of these throughout uh, the, the, the weeks to come as uh, you're, you're kind of a, a cons- consistent co-host with the podcast. And uh, we can 
continuously do this and uh, like, uh, of course our good friends over at FXR are kind enough to uh, supply a jersey and AJ Catanzaro was uh, uh, kind enough to uh, to pull one out of his practice repertoire uh, of, uh, off of his back that he most likely raced in this jersey and uh, he signed it and uh, Dyson that's going to be uh, something for your wall so congratulations to Dyson thanks to everybody who entered um, and uh, yeah this is fun. Yeah, we, we definitely have to do a couple more of these. And, um, you know, any, any chance we get to kind of give back and, and, and hug some fans up, we're all for it. I know you are, too. I mean, you, you know, you got some of the coolest swag out there. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely have to have to do this again and uh, make sure everyone stays, uh, stays hooked up. For sure, my friend. Well, uh, and, and as far as straight rhythm goes, is that the special uh, thing that you haven't told anyone about where uh, AJ Catanzaro is riding a KX125 and someone's going to be able to win um, a, uh, an experience with him? Uh, you're close. <laughs> you're you're, kinda, you're close, but still, I think we kept it good enough secret to where uh, it's, it's still going to shock a lot of people, so... Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I thought I thought I'd just throw that out there as someone who pays attention to uh, social media posts and and the possibility of things coming together. That you'd you'd mentioned the straight rhythm, and of course, I know you and AJ go back forever and are, are good pals. And AJ happens to be riding a KX one two five at straight rhythm this year. So uh, one two three put it together, and there's I, I'm figuring that's gonna. Uh, people are going to have to uh, to want to follow the collective experience on Instagram to find that out on Friday. But uh, for this podcast, which was about two days late, we appreciate people listening to this one and hope you enjoyed kind of a, an extended version of the uh, wrap up podcast for uh, Big MX Radio. It was a, a late one, but it was a great one. Um, thanks so much for joining me, Dave. No, no problem. Looking forward to it uh, next week and. Uh... Hopefully we can keep talking through uh, the next week to get you up to uh, Metal Valley and get some motos in. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, If I can make it happen, the race prior to, like, I have to announce the race on the Sunday prior to the Monday is about 15 minutes from the border. So, and that's about as close to Millville as Canada gets. So uh, if I can uh, get out of that race by, let's say, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, bike in the back of my truck uh like i i want a hotel i'm not announcing dirt bikes all day long and then sleeping in a camper or something like that or something along those lines i'm totally uh i'm getting a hotel room somewhere in a probably rochester or somewhere near millville but either way that's what i would probably do get get in around uh around midnight and uh and then learn how to ride dirt bike faster than i already do so uh, that'll be fun yeah, it'll be fun. Just make sure AJ does not pick your hotel because the one he picked in Rochester last time was literally, I would have felt safer in a cardboard box. So <laughs> Yeah, you're funny sure you about that wisely. stuff, though. I, I've literally, yeah. like, like I, I stayed at a hotel one time, actually, like me and my girlfriend did in Vegas, where we were pretty sure that we would wake up with our organs harvested. So, um, oh, like, it's, it, like, yeah, I think it was uh, 40 bucks a night something like that it was bad oh, oh fuck was it bad but uh anyway uh let's uh let's wrap the podcast up dave and uh and we can talk a little bit longer if you want or i can let you get to sleep because you probably have to wake up early so do i but uh for podcast lake let's cut it off right there <laughs>